Welcome to Always Real Talk. I'm Kwame Brown. In the studio, I have with me my good friend, Brian Summers. He is a political strategist. That's right. He's a political strategist, but not only that, he is a black Republican. People try to find out where those black Republicans, guess where they are, right here on Always Real Talk. And we're going to have a great conversation. And starting off, I want to say welcome to Always Real Talk, Brian. Absolutely. Glad to be here, Mr. Chair. Hey, good. Good to have you on the show. I want to jump right into it. This is, you know, Always Real Talk. 2020 show. And when it comes to 2020, we've been following the 2020 elections and something just took place. As you know, as we were just talking about, the U the Supreme Court just put a hold on allowing uh, those uh, felons who have served their time the opportunity to vote. What is your thoughts as a black Republican on that particular matter? Well, I think that... Uh I think that the court didn't make the right decision, obviously. I think if a person has served their time, uh, they should be allowed to vote. And uh, this goes back to what is happening in the state of Florida, where uh, felons or uh, ex-felons were trying to get on the voter rolls, and they had actually had a, uh, a state proposition down in Florida, which gave ex-felons the right to vote. And I always, uh, as I learned even with you, the will of the people must, uh, must always prevail. And the people of Florida voted to allow ex-felons to be back on the voter rolls in the state of Florida. It went through the General Assembly. They tried to block it. An appeals court turned it over. And today our Supreme Court has put a block on that, uh, especially leading up to any primaries, particularly in the state of Florida. And Florida so as, is, so as a So as, so as a, uh, a, a black Republican, uh, you uh, kind of do not agree with the, the Supreme Court at this particular time. No, not at all. I, I, I yeah, do not agree with him at all. No, I, I think. I mean, I, you know, I mean, a black man in America, uh, being able to, being having the right to vote is very essential. Even to be able to walk the halls of Congress here in, in our nation's capital, it took a a vote in the House and the Senate and in 64 uh, Voting Rights Act and Civil Rights Act of 65 to be able to make that happen. So I'm very conscious of how important voting is and, uh, and how in every aspect, voting affects every aspect of life. Uh, the voting, uh, voting is essential. Uh, I believe that the Congress should always renew permanently the Voting Rights Act, absolutely, because again, again, it empowers every average man, whether he's a garbage worker on a sanitation truck or he's an engineer or a startup company somewhere in their parents' basement. They have an equal vote going into that booth. Well, I wanted to say that because some people think that you're a unicorn, right? What you just said, and you start to hear about black Republicans, the first thing you'll have uh, folks say is, one, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're a Tom, you're a sellout. Uh, but what you just articulated is what I'm hearing uh, from people on both sides of the aisle is that, you know, if in fact you've served your time, you should be able uh, to vote. And let's walk through what they actually put a hold on, because there, you know, there's some people that have it a little bit confused uh, out there. They basically have said that, you know, once you serve your time and serving your time means you serve your time and you paid your restitution and you paid your penalties, then you your voting is restored. Is that correct? That was to my understanding. Uh, and and I, actually, because the, the penalties were so high, whether it was on the front end or assessed getting out with being on probation and pro 
that you had these then and he says different added cost added into it was just really uh, way over the top for people just getting released and trying to get back on their feet. And people always talk about you know bootstrap, but you know when the boot has no bottom and no sole in it, your foot tends to go right on through to the ground. So where is your starting point in life after you've done everything that society says you must do? Well, hey, look, and it's always interesting because the first thing people say when they talk about Republicans uh, in general is that they always talk about they got to say to pull the bootstraps up, which I think you just said, hey, if there's a hole at the bottom, it ain't going to make a difference how fast you pull it up. You're still not going to be able to stand up straight. I want to jump right into something that, 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 that people are talking about, and that is that voting while you're incarcerated. The District of Columbia, Council Member Robert White here in, in, in Washington, D.C., introduced a piece of legislation that has passed the Council of the District of Columbia that allows those D.C. residents that are incarcerated to vote. So I want to go back to focus on the 2020 election as it relates to Florida. There's been many political analysts, political strategists that have come on different shows and come on this show and have said that, you know, Florida is clearly in play for the Democratic Party because the Democratic Party was going to get all of these uh, people that have been released from uh, from jail that are going to be able to get their voting rights restored. What do you think, because clearly it says that that will not happen now, uh, what effect do you think that will have on the election uh, for the Republican Party in general? Well, I think that, uh, you know, depending on whatever party has the best ground game in Florida, uh, it's a turnout election, 100 percent. And uh, being a conservative Republican, uh, you know, I tend to think of the policies and things that are going to be there. But we had a president who signed a criminal justice reform bill. And I think that if um, those who uh, champion that and, and in states where that's being accepted and received, I think they should work within the system to make that work for everybody. And I, I think that if Democrats um, were wanting to make a huge push in Florida, uh, it's again, it's a turnout election. And I think that with all of the uh, marches around the country, you know, I, I would always say to some of my friends all the time, if all the people who were showing up at these marches around the country were registered to vote, you have your November results, you know, in the basket, honestly, because that should have been a twofold. You're up there to march. Guess what? We're going to register you to vote where you live, which is zip code. Let's go. And there you go. And that should have been at the forefront of every single thing, because I say this, Mr. Chair, if you get on a jury, guess what? You got to be registered to vote. You want to be able to uh, uh, get picked for a one, a grand jury, or uh, get out a bad judge or a bad judge attorney. Guess what? All that takes an action that you already have, which is voting. So you've got the power already to to really make change in your community and your city, and it is the right to vote. It is a local vote that determines all that. You've got especially a little different here in D.C. though, because uh, you know we got that federal oversight. But say Virginia, Maryland, I know in my home state of North Carolina, we elect judges down there and they've now made the races partisan. I think it ought to be it really shouldn't even be that. I think you should have good people who you know want to be judges and take the partisanship out of it, even coming down to school boards. But everything is so personal now. Uh, and that is just that that's really, uh, really, really, really a, a, a bad way to be in America right now. Well, yeah. let me let me go back because this is I mean, look, this is always real talk. We keep it real. Look, we have on what I have a tremendous amount of respect for you because, one, you've been a Republican for as long as I've known you. You've always had conservative values, but you always uh, spoke what you believed, which was true to your heart. I mean, we just heard for uh, for an example, uh, you talk about the Supreme Court 
and the decision that they made and how, you know, you don't uh, particularly agree with it. But then you come as a black Republican because most people say you want to suppress the vote, suppress the vote. Every Republican, whether you're black or white, you want to suppress the vote and you don't want people to come out to vote. But ever since I've been talking to you and we've been talking for a while, you've always are talking about everyone needs to vote and the importance of voting, which is a different uh uh, conversation that we've hear from those other political analysts when they talk about black Republicans trying to keep people back from voting. Why do you have a different view? Because I think that if you've got good ideas and you've got good reason for a policy that you're doing, then you compete for it. Bottom line. I mean, I'm going to sugarcoat this thing. Yeah, it's very insulting to have people come on and it's real comfortable for some people to sit in certain studios or have titles or be the one around the table to always assert that kind of nonsense. But my thing is, if you've got good policy, say like a Jack Kemp and yes, even a Jess Hems, if you've got good policy, then you make people, you, you, you let pe the voters compete for it. You put it out there and you compete for votes because that is where it is. That's what this country is all about. We didn't just get here just because it was a certain group of people who made things happen in our country. No, they had to have King's ideas. It took a little bit of what Malcolm X believed in, a little bit of Marcus Garvey. It took a little bit of that, A. Philip Randolph. So as African-Americans in a community where you had no right to vote, you would usually 90% of the time hear it from a minister. And so you would get exactly policy that went along with that. And so people would compete. And then once people came in and got that right to vote and were free to vote, then yeah, compete for my vote. My vote is important because I could turn numbers. We saw that in Reconstruction because people had a, they had okay. something to vote for. Well, let me tell you, I mean, you're on fire today. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Look, I, we bring it to you always real talk. We bring it to you with no hold. We, we, we don't hold back, right? And I'm, I, I've, I've watched a lot of television. I've watched a lot of shows. I haven't seen a black Republican mention Martin Luther King and Malcolm X in the same sentence ever. Ever, 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 ever. But that's why I like you as, as a, a black conservative, and because a lot of people are conservative, right? They, they are, right? Um, clearly, people have a mission, and some people just want Trump gone. Time for Trump to be gone. Uh, but the question becomes, when you look at voting, the importance, no matter what party you are in, you need to vote. You need to register to vote, and you need to vote. And that's what I like about your message that you can continue to preach, no matter where you are, is striving people uh, to get out and vote, especially those that are out protesting. No use of protesting if you're not voting, right? That's right, Mr. Chair. And, and again, you know, you, you said that about Ma uh, Malcolm and Martin, but I mean, even here, say, in, in D.C. So we get, if, you're, if the people get Trump out in November, in D.C., you still got people who are working less than $15 an hour, people who are working for less than $10 an hour in the nation's capital, where you can't get a house in D.C. for less than $250,000, period, anywhere. So, again, you're not talking to policies that's going to impact people's lives. Taking out Trump at the top does nothing if I can't afford to live in a city where my kids go to school. I have a job, but I can't afford. I'm working two jobs to be here. So what do you say to that single mom who lives in that one or two bedroom room apartment in Southeast DC who wants to become a homeowner? She's working at CVS and taking classes at UDC. She has a right to the American dream too. She's worked her way up to an assistant manager in CVS or at, at, at Olive Garden or, you know, and, and she's working and she's raising her kids. She's doing everything that according to we check in the box she's supposed to do, but can't catch a break. Why? Because you have a, a branch of government 
government here in D.C. that says you're not worthy and I can't afford you, though I'm making millions of dollars to pay you more than $15 or, or a living wage. When have you had a Republican talk about a living wage? It matters because they matter and you matter. And that has to be the message. If you're just as much uh, on fire about education and choice in school and, and having schools be good, and we spend millions and millions of dollars in the District of Columbia on education, but yet still somehow teachers still dig in their pockets to buy books and supplies and do and go the extra mile. And that's not in every ward of the city. But you collect it from air, you collect taxes from all over the city, but they're not evenly distributed. And so I'm just saying we, we're going to be, be real and be talking. We want the next generation, your daughters and my kids and our grandkids to live better than we are. We have to do things and, and teach them and enforce and give them all the tools so that they can be just as successful and they run a race. I don't believe in uh, extra seats and boosters and all kinds of things. You're going to run a race. Just open the door. Let me compete and I'll show you what I can do. That's what we should be saying to every American. Now, you know. That's interesting because you said you don't believe in boosters, you don't believe in hand ups, but you believe in opening the door and letting me come through. Is that right? That's right, because your laws say you have to do that. And if, you, if you've got laws that say that I can't do it, then you vote and change your laws and kick them in the butt and do your own. Go out and create your own. That's right. So, so let me ask you a question. Well, you know, why are you a Republican? Because I believe that one. <laughs> no, seriously, um, I don't I don't like a whole overhanded of government itself. I come from a part down in the south in the country where it was not so much party politics that kept people back as much as it was cliques and somewhat class and opportunity based on who you knew and not on how much you knew. You know, so education is, is very, very clear and very, very essential. And so um, economics played a part in it as well, too. Because I believe that as long as you could keep someone dependent on a system, and it doesn't matter if they're black, white, West Virginia got more welfare than anywhere else in the country. So it is not about a race thing, and that is a matter of opportunity. It is a matter of having a voice at a table that'll be heard. And if you have a, I always said this when working in the, in the Congress, I worked for senators and people didn't always like. But if I sit at that table and I have a degree hanging a shingle on my wall, says I have a degree in political science, and I'm sitting around that table. You and your staff can't be disparaging the people who look like me with me sitting there. If I got any kind of heart and goal of me, you're not going to talk that way or have those ideas. So I'm going to break down whatever you came in the door with. You're going to leave out differently. And I'm going to show it and I'm going to prove it. And whether that's how you see it or not, that's not how it's going to end up. And that's not just who we are. So I don't like to let people get away that, well, nothing's going to change in the Republican Party because that is them. That is how they are. Guess what? I go in and I sit down with them and that they, and you know what? And I'm going to compete with them just as much. I'm going to blow them out the water. I'm going to hold their seat someday. I'm going to be their mayor, be their governor and be their president. So that, that, that's fine. But do you think you've made a change or do you think that those African-Americans, black people uh, that are Republicans that are currently because what you see from the outside are black Republicans that they show on TV and they think they're just dancing and singing and doing whatever and selling themselves out and there's no real voice at the table because one, people don't have the heart to say anything when they know things are, are, are wrong and two, people on the other side aren't listening. I mean, you know, so and, the question and, becomes, you know, I hear what you're saying, but does that really resonate and does it really change the party within? Because people see you as I did with, with Governor Mike Huckabee when he ran for president in 2008. 
And he said, Brian, we're going to go around the country for the next nine months doing this. And we're going to meet people just where they are. We're going to meet voters just where they are. So we're going to sit in grandmother's living rooms in Little Rock, Arkansas. We're going to go down to Jackson, Mississippi, and we're going to sit down and we're going to meet that grandmother, that mom in that living room, sit down, have their sweet tea and talk to them on the, on the things that we can agree on. We just came out of church this Sunday. We're sitting there. We're having tea. We have some of the fine food. Well, let's hear, there are 10 things that we believe in. We believe in raising, they're raising their grandkids, they're raising you know, external kids in their family. What things can we agree on? You meet voters just where they are. This nonsense you see on TV of folks, you know, glamorized up and, and willing to say and do anything, uh, no substance because they only call them out when it comes to an issue that's particularly of race. When have you last time you seen other than maybe Susan Rice uh, or Condi Rice, have you seen anyone who looks like us on TV talking foreign policy? We're not the ones they call in when it comes to economics. But again, they bring, when it comes to the bucket and the chicken, they always bring you out on stage. And so that's the nonsense. And so it really it does a disservice um, because, you know, you're not really believing in what you're doing. And if you just, I've always said this, uh, Mr. Chairman, my pro the problem with our party is that we always put up people who have no street credibility. And you and I, I'm from North Carolina, you're from Washington, D.C. But when I moved to D.C., one of the things that we had in common is we both had to go to barbershops. I don't have to go as much anymore, but we both go to barbershops. So you can't send someone into southeast or northwest D.C. who has no credibility. You can put up all, you can put a billion dollars behind the candidate. But if they don't have any credibility down on Martin Luther King Avenue or over in Searson Corner, man, you know, come on, none. So who are you affecting? So who are you catering to? So you're just a person who looks like me talking to a crowd who can't say what they really think and feel. But because you're willing to be there and do the song and dance, it's comfortable for them. And you'll mm -hmm. always play that song as somebody as long as somebody else is paying the tune. And so I, I want to go. That. I want to go right to I want to because everything you're saying, I mean, I'm listening to you and I, I just want people to know we I don't laugh where I ain't took one. I don't scratch where I don't itch. So <laughs> well, let, let me let me just say, look. I'm listening because it's, it's refreshing to hear a black Republican uh, say some of the things and feel some of the ways that you hear it's many Democrats uh, feel that come on the show. Real talk, Mr. Chair. Real talk. It's real talk. You know what we have right here. But but I got to ask you the question because we say, well, Kwame, you, he was saying all that good stuff, but he's still with the Republican Party. And you're saying you're with the Republican Party because you believe you can make a difference. You believe you Absolutely. can change the Republican Party uh, uh, inside. Is that what it is? Absolutely. Listen. I can't, I do, for the last 10 years, I've been going home to my home state of Carolina reading in a program called Read Across America back in my elementary school. Been doing it for the last 10 years. Every March for one day, whole day, go home and stay. And I've been doing it. I can't go into a classroom, Mr. Chair, sit down, break out a book, read to those kids in that, in that school and not say any, and just tell them how, you know, behave, read, reading is important, education is important. And then they say, well, what do you do? Well, where do you live? Well, you know, do you make a lot of money? What, you know, what have you, so my thing is, and you're talking to, you go have a school lunch with them and you sit down and you say, these are real tangible things. What you're doing is very important. You've been in this school learning to make a difference and be a difference. So absolutely, I think that you have to have actions to back it up. And I think that you do that. And I think on the things where the president of the United States is right, he's right. Where well, the things he's wrong, he's wrong. So I'm not one of those go to get along kind of folks who gonna know. Uh, uh, no, uh, president. Uh, uh, let's hold. Let's hold on. What are some of the things? What are two things you think this president has done right? And what are two things that you think this president has done wrong? 
criminal justice reform and the last uh, executive order he did to give social workers um, some autonomy to be able to go along with police departments or them to be able to hire social workers and psychiatrists to go to nonviolent responses and work with communities in doing that. Okay, and what are, what are two things that you think the President Trump has done wrong? The border. The border being building a wall? Yep. Okay, that's one. And separating those kids, and then I gotta do a third one, and never apologize about Central uh, Park Five. Absolutely, okay. he was wrong. Okay. He's wrong in that, and I and I and I and yeah, he's wrong in that. Absolutely. Now let me ask I you a question: As a black Republican, what are you, what are two things that you think that uh, Joe Biden has done right in his career? Well, let's see. Now, uh, I think he's done right in his career. I think he's been a good senator for Delaware when he was there. I think absolutely. And I think that he tried and, and, and did he uh, served honorably for uh, Obama. Absolutely. Those are two things. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. And what are the two things that you think that he's done wrong or he's missing the mark on? I think that he could, my opinion, personally, just me, I think he um, needs to not try so hard. Just keep the shirt loosened, no tie. And just talk to people without it being too prepped up. Don't so, go so in with a whole lot of background. So, just, so are you saying he doesn't come ac come across as uh, authentic? No, 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 no. I, I think that sometimes you can kind of be overzealous. Not that you're inauthentic. I just think that you're sometimes. No, I said you come across. I said you come across that way. Not that you are, but when mm -hmm. you are not loosened up and you're tight and you're not comfortable because you you know people act a certain way. They act differently when they're not comfortable in the skin that someone kind of puts them in at that particular moment, right? So, you no, know, they act a little I, bit I, different. No, I, I don't, I don't, that's not how I was coming across or didn't have okay. to, mean to imply that. I just think that, um, you know, like for me, I would, I would, I would love to see him go just almost unplanned to a housing development, public housing spot in Alabama. That may not be a state that Democrats may compete in, but I like to see him do it. I like him to do that in the South to some of the real. Everybody talks about the middle class, but nobody talks about the poor. And I say that as a minister, you got to do that. We have to have those discussions. And I just want him to one time talk about it. I know he'll point back to Scranton and things like that. And he'll say what's out in southern Ohio and West Virginia. But I'm talking about or even Tennessee. But I'm talking about real areas of South Georgia. I'm talking about real areas of, of, of reservations. I don't know when and where he has been as a uh, as a candidate, if he's been to a Native American reservation yet. So, I mean, there are, there are real things that you can do that don't look like you're, you're sort of just, you know, going for, you know, you just just don't try. Just take it easy, man. Really. OK, just cool. well, that, listen that's, to the people. Yep. that's the thing. Listen, listen to the people. Well, that's one. What's the second? And that was a long one. That was a that was like well, a three minute one. It, it, sometimes you got to talk that way to Democrats because it takes that time for them just to really <laughs> let it sink in. <laughs> but no, seriously, uh, I would say that the second would be um, the things that have hindered up these last ten years that you could not all get done uh, when you're with the Obama administration. I think that you fixed the postal system. This should never, ever be a problem that has lingered when you've been able to have power in this country. I think you fixed that. I think that you go farther with the health care. 
Because again, those are things that impacts people's lives. I think that you make the case always that Social Security is protected. So but, the party, again, but, but your party is holding up this health care debate. They're holding up this health care discussion right now. Not they don't even want to be where we are. So you're talking well, about go, go further. How can you go? You know, how can you do that when you have a, well, a party that's empowered that is not willing to do that at all? Well, the party in power, my party, everybody in my party that's holding it up, they have health care. And I'll leave it at that. Okay. Okay. Well, that's dude, you are fire today, man. That's hey. You better tune in. Always real talk. You never know what who comes through the studio. If it's always real talk, you know it's gonna be real. Real talk.